Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Well, welcome back to the Addiction Connection. Number 30. Number 30. And this is a ripped off talk. Well, first of all, before we can talk about the ripped off talk, um, we're in a very different location. Nothing fun. Nothing typical. It's really echoey. Casey's going to hate this. Yeah, it's a... We're in a shed. We're in a shed. I'm homeless, waiting for a house to be built. So we are surrounded by what looks like a flea market in this... (laughs) You said it. You said it. I don't know how you didn't downsize more. So if it sounds a little echoey, it's because we're in a 70-foot shed with a 14-foot ceiling. (laughs) Okay. That's great. Anyway, so we stole this talk sort of from the Charlie Resnickel because he's our friend and he won't care. Um, We hope. So anyway, we're going to start talking about the monoamine agonist of abuse which is fancy for we're starting with club drugs. Yeah. And so really one of the things that that he did did, did during this talk was <laughs> kind of categorize categorize man I'm not going to be able to talk the whole time. It's hard to talk in a shed. <clears throat> so we're going to categorize these intoxicants kind of by their action. And so really, you know, talk about what a club drug is and uh, and really how are stimulants and hallucinogens related and different and and then we're going to get on to pathogens which I really I care about. <laughs> That's <laughs> care a stupid so dad joke. Anyway, so it's the spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, you have stimulants, and the other end, you have hallucinogens, and then in the middle, you have this empathogen. So anyway, yes, like Kurt said, we'll get to that. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the other things, uh, acute intoxication, uh, management of hallucinogens, and then GHB. So... so. <laughs> we are not going to be able to do this justice at this point, but, you know... Charlie went on, Charlie goes on a few tangents sometimes for those of you who haven't listened to him talk. I'm sure most of you have now, at least on the podcast, but they're great. That's the thing. They're amazing tangents. Um, anyway, so he started by talking about the Sasha Shulgin, who is this amazing chemist, basically, who he and his wife, he developed all these drugs, like these club drug kind of things. And he had made 230 different phenylethylamines and tryptamine intoxicants. Yeah, like in his garage. And then he would just try it on his wife and himself. Or it was in a shed. Good Lord. They, no, it wasn't. It wasn't in a shed. He's in the picture. He's in this, like, looks like a really fancy yet garage version of a chemistry lab. Yeah, and the reason we're doing this particular talk is we're going to move on the next time to do a talk about actually Sasha, Sasha Solgen. And it's hard to say fast. Don't say um, fast. So we'll he, get to him. He wrote a chemical love story, and uh, the continuation. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about him in a separate podcast. So he talked about the spectrum of different types of empathogen. So empathogen means love. It's really that closeness to and understanding of others. So on a scale of one to empathogen, I'd put Kurt at about a two. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Just kidding. And then you go down the triangle to the right, it would be entheogen, which is really like theologian, theon is in the word, so religiosity, so a religious experience or a cosmic awareness. That's kind of the Beatles thing, you know, they went off to... Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they wore all those long dress things and 
and had a religious experience. Are they yogis? I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so then the other corner of the triangle would be an intactogen, which is the body buzz, enhanced or altered tactile sensation. So this is where your bugs, or you can like feel sound on your body. You are totally lost. We're on page seven. Oh, I thought we were starting with like one through. No, we're on page seven. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Those are all just repeats of each other. Oh, uh, well, never mind. So, you know, one of the first ones that we're going to kind of talk about right now is the cathinones. This is what we, you know, you hear on the streets as the bath salts. Yeah, and of course, um, these are kind of another base structure from really how you can make other novel monoamine agonists, and that's how they mess with these things kind of in the in the lab or your garage. Right, and so they kind of break them down. There's three different types of these monoamine agonists. There's the phenylethylamines, the cathinones, and the tryptamines. So and, the drugs are kind of classified based on this. Yeah, now the phenylethylamines, of course, the amphetamines, your mescaline, your molly. Not my sister. Not your sister. <laughs> uh, and then the cathinones, of course, you've got some of the things like cot and bath salts and mephedrone. There you go. And then the tryptamines, you have your DMT, the psilocybin, and the foxymethoxy. That's probably what I'd do, <laughs> just because it sounds cool and it rhymes. But, so, yeah. uh, but, you know, these things often, you know, people are using these things frequently. And, of course, they're not without their risk. And, in fact, in Minnesota, there had been uh, different groups of these things that will get into the population. And, and boy, they'll end up with uh, teens who overdose and hospitalize. So an important thing to really understand. So, yeah, and Kurt just mentioned that in Minnesota, but it's not its not just here. Um, there's another, is it Colorado? No, Oregonian, excuse me. Two 30-year-old Oregonian men attempted to purchase two CE, so one of these cathinones, um, from China. However, they received a different type, which they, it was called aniline, and they had severe methemoglobinemia, so very, very severe. Around the same time, Oklahoma, two youth, again, ordered the same drug and instead they got bromo dragonfly, which is way more potent, and they died. So these substances, a lot of them, again, they're, they're created in a cath lab. Not a cath lab, excuse me. <laughs> That's actually a garage. In somebody's garage in China. Right. And so you don't always, again, know what you're getting. You know, I don't know. It seems like duh to me, but I guess when you don't have a frontal lobe or you're male, you might think it sounds cool. Yeah. But really the reality is that, you know, Mostly methamphetamines are used to make uh, some of these pills. And, you know, really club drugs should be assumed to be or at least have some methamphetamine. So when people are saying they're taking a club drug, it's either a methamphetamine or some derivative of that. So then um, he goes on to discuss the different classes of drugs and where in the brain the different um, kind of receptors that things bind to. So your sedatives, GABA agonists, dissociatives, NMDA, cannabinoids, and so on. Your stimulants are going to be your norepidopamine and serotonin agonists. So anything you can kind of manipulate from this is still going to be under that category. Same with empathogens tend to, to, you know, act in the brain on the serotonin and norepi and then a little bit of the dopamine. And then your hallucinogens, again, the serotonin norepi, norepi with a bit of the dopamine. Yeah, and so, you know, where is this all going? You know, they're, they're making these drugs in all these different places. and You got to use that word. Which word? This one right here. The opposite of a cath lab is a clandestine lab. Oh. So, but yeah, really the future of these addictive drugs is really all of these synthetic compounds that they're cooking kind of in these clandestine labs all over. 
And, uh, and how do you find out about these things? Because I think a lot of times we have patients talk to us about different things and we don't really know, um, you know, what are they? And, and how do you find out? Well, you need to go to the Wikipedia of drugs. I love that. Arrowhead. I mean, www.erowid.org. Yeah, so this is really a good source, and, and we certainly use this when we have patients tell us about particular things that they've taken. Sometimes you don't really know the name or what, they, what they're referring to, but it's kind of a good source for information about some of these novel drugs. And often you can find different things where people have talked about um, their experience with them as well. And so, you know... Again, there's all these different drugs with all these different names, things that we had just mentioned, never even heard of. So don't even try to learn them. Like Kurt said, just go look them up. But then it's really important, though, to know kind of the syndromic look or what each category kind of looks like. So if you see a patient who's kind of got certain behavioral things or certain symptoms, you can at least in your head put that, okay, this is more of a, you know. A dissociative. A dissociative or hallucinogen or a stimulant. So if you can get it down to the, the kind of class that they're in, you'll have a little bit better idea of at least how to initially address it and treat it, potentially. I think as we've talked about these things, it's just from our standpoint, and I think when Charlie actually gave this talk, it was like, there's no way you're going to remember all these names. It's just, you're just not going to do it because a lot of them have four or five slang names. So again, it's the class and kind of how their syndrome, it almost seems like something Beth Bilden would come up with to... Oh my gosh. Yeah. We should have Beth Bilden come on and talk about this kind of weird stuff because yeah. she could probably go on and on and things I don't know. So can I go can I digress for a second? We have a little bit of time. Okay, go ahead. Another good source for learning about some of these kind of more bizarre but maybe more common bizarre drugs is if you're really good at being an addiction doctor, for instance, and you have patients that you know, you have patients that have tried some of these and you know, depending on where they are in their recovery, you can learn a lot from a patient. I think sometimes hearing their story or their personal experience, sometimes they want to tell you, can actually kind of puts it into perspective a little bit better than just reading it somewhere. Yeah, I think a lot of times the way I broach that is I'll say, what attracted you to that particular, you know, substance? Was there Mm -hmm. something that attracted you to that? And often they'll tell you that, that story of what their experience was and why they kept going back. Right. And I think, you know, you don't want to just say, hey, what'd that do to you? Right. It's more, what was, what drew you to it? But I think it's important, though, and this is all the whole, it, it is a little bit of a stigma breaker because I think even people who sometimes treat patients with use disorders are a little bit nervous. And I think to, to kind of go to the patient and talk to them on their level, you you learn, you learn a lot of trust from them and a lot of, you know, they, they open up to you more about other struggles they're having if they're comfortable opening up with you about things that you don't know. Like they kind of feel like you do care and respect a little bit more. Maybe so. we should get back to what we were actually talking hey, about. Hey, you know, but that's a good digression. Yeah. It's a good tangent. And I think as, as if, especially if students are listening, you know, go to these places like, uh, you know, Arrowhead and, and then there's, what's the other one uh, that we use often? I'm trying to remember the name of it now. I'm blanking. We'll think of it. We'll think of it. Um, but one of the things when we look at the at these different groups, you know, we want to break them down. What's a dissociative, you know, and really what is well, how's that different from a hallucinogen, um, you know, an, an actual common or kind of the gold standard of dissociatives, of course, would be ketamine. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the hallucinogens, hallucinogens, it's the classic. It's LSD. Classic. So ketamine acts in the dissociative act. And the NMDA, they're NMDA antagonists, so it creates this dissociative state. So 
the big thing is that your cognition and your perception are no longer connected. So you might see things, but you don't kind of make the connection of what's actually going on, which is why like things start. I think you had that from birth. You but know, anyway, that makes me so empathetic. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> what happens to people when they, especially when they're using some of the things like ketamine is that they may be lack that insight and they become maybe frightened by things that normally they wouldn't be frightened by. Uh, especially if they show up in the ER, they might be really afraid that of some particular thing. Um, they, you really have to offer that reassurance, you know, uh, and often that can be confusing for the patient. It just really threatens that whole perception of what they think is going on. Well, and that so, seems real, right? Right. So you got to, in order to treat this, a lot of times it's just waiting it out and making sure the patient's safe. So, excuse me, um, light, low light, low noise, watch the vital signs, but it really keep very, very low um, stimulus because even lights might look aggressive to them. Yeah, you just don't want to do anything fast. Everything's slow, quiet, and dark. Kind of like you. Yep. No, not quite in dark, but slow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's obviously then the LSD. So your, your classic hallucinogen, these are serotonin agonists. It alters the perceptual experience, but you still have the cognition there. Yeah, so you can... You can think about it, but man, it, the perception of what's going on is really altered. Well, this is that thing like when you have the hand and it like follows. Yeah, like li- like light will bend, things yeah. like that. So Super cool. You, they retain their insight, um, but the experience, you know, their insight experience is the result of that LSD. You know, and again, it's kind of that same thing. Can you can't like you can't like give them a medication that's going to improve this. It's again a waiting game, and you just have to calmly reassure these patients. Now, if they have a history of psychosis, these are patients you're going to have to watch a little bit more closely because they can get far more unstable than patients without that history. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to touch on uh, with some of these kind of club drugs is GHB because, and some people will refer to it as just G. So it's a GABA agonist, which is very similar to benzodiazepines, barbiturates. Um, so it has a lot of those same properties. So amnesia, so you might forget, anxiolysis, so you're not anxious anymore, um, disinhibition, muscle relaxation, ataxia, soporific. I don't even know what that means. I think that's that, that you're, you're like touchy feeling. Oh, soporific. Now... Of course, there is something that is similar to this that's FDA approved, and that's actually Zyram, which is actually used for, for narcolepsy. Oh, oh sorry. I just <laughs> no, fell asleep for a second. But if you're getting Zyram, you're not. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I didn't take it. I just <laughs> I'm sorry. I just fell asleep for a second. It, it's hard to visually see that when we're on a podcast. Yeah, and, I, yeah, <laughs> and obviously, yeah. Oh, shoot. You were supposed to say, you just oh, collapsed. Kurt, where did you go? Um, so there's many illicit uses for that. And this is one that's actually, uh, diverted. And of course, you know, often if people are coming down from stimulant use, they'll, they'll use these types of things. Or if, if it's properly dosed, it actually just causes a light mellow. However, obviously it can be a date rape drug, which is why it's kind of got the street name, colorless, flavorless, undetectable detox screens. It's got a super short half-life. So unless you get a urine screen within a couple hours of ingestion, it's going to be negative. Um, and actually the way I knew about this drug was, you know, bodybuilding. And uh, of course it <laughs> stimulates your IGF. And, you know, back when I was, me and Arnold were bodybuilding, um, I may have done some of this, uh, uh, you know, for the anabolic effects. And that's, uh, okay, that's not true at all. I, 
I weigh like 80 pounds, but anyway, you're way digressing in a non-helpful tangent. Yeah. So classic (laughs) overdose, you know, how do people look Heather when they overdose? So you'll have a young person, I would guess it's not on here, more likely female if you're looking at the date rape version, um, presents to an ER unarousable. You cannot wake them up. Obviously you have this like, you know, amnesia, disinhibition, you're out of it. Um, They're unarousable, innovated, and 24 hours later they wake up and they're just totally fine and they take out their own darn, you know, tube. Mm. That would leave a mark. So even though it's a super short half-life and can't pick it up, it almost has this like 18 to 24-hour timeline of action, which is kind of interesting to me. Mm. Right? That is interesting. Because if the half-life is so short, why is it have this 24-hour I'm going to wake up? Unless it's just because that's obviously a higher dose. Correct. So to pull this all together... Heather, can we do this? Can we pull know. this all together? No, I don't know. So the stimulants, the empathogens, and the hallucinogens, well, obviously these exist kind of on a spectrum of activity and, and really the effects that they have, and we have to think of them that way, that it's kind of this uh, spectrum of different You were doing an arm motion like a pendulum. Nobody saw that. <laughs> I did. Um, and then you have the phenylethamines, tryptamines, and cathinones. These are the ones that can be chemically modified into millions and millions other novel intoxicants. So again, this is the one. Don't even try to remember them all. No, and and again, a lot of these medic these medications, these drugs are actually, you know, poorly poorly characterized. And I mean, obviously, they're they're just making so many uh, that I don't think a lot of times people understand what they're getting. And yeah, so purity issues, designer drugs, other club drugs, G, K, so GHB, ketamine should be understood by the receptors. Um, and just you got to remember to look for some of these things because yeah, they're not always on your regular old talk screens. Yeah, these things are, and, and I think uh, in the patients we've both seen, uh, most, of, most of the patients we see for uh, whether it's methamphetamine or it's opioids, uh, they've been used a lot. I, I mean, I would say a lot of my patients have tried these things so commonly. Do you think of that other website yet? I did not. Me it's, neither. It's the one that people want to go to to learn about the experience that other people have on these particular drugs. Right. And I, I, it's blanking. So the next time we do a podcast, that's the first thing we're going to say is what that other website is. And so stay tuned. Yeah. Um, so with that, we will let uh, Battle Lakes take over, and we will... Be back at you next week. Yeah, and I think that, again, uh, stay tuned for Sasha, the, 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 the guy who fell in love with the club drug. Because he made them all. I wonder he, how much money he made on that. I don't know. I don't think he was in it for the money. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, next week. Thanks.
I went to the university where they were putting boxes, and they all came out the same. And there's doctors and lawyers and business executives, and they're all made out of ticky tacky, and they all look just the same. And they all play on the golf course and drink. Martinis dry, and they all have pretty children, and the children go to school, and the children go to summer camp, and then to the university where they are put in boxes, and they all come out the same. Now they all live on the hillside, and they all look just the same. 